Good morning, Pillar. I'm Ron Koya. I'm one of the elders here in our church family, and I am privileged to bring you today's message, especially because today is the start of a new sermon, and I'm a, a sermon series, and I'm especially excited about that. Our sermon series that we're beginning today is Galatians, and it's titled The Gospel of Freedom. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be in this excellent book of Galatians as we learn and grow together as our, in our church family. Before we get started with Paul's letter, I want to tell you about a different letter. 57 years ago, in the summer of 63, Martin Luther King was jailed for unlawful protests in Birmingham, Alabama. While he was in jail, eight clergymen in the city wrote a piece, and they called it a call for unity. And these eight clergymen wrote a doctrine about the racial segregation protests that Martin Luther King were, was leading. In it, he said, the, the eight clergymen spoke as one, and this paper article said that while racism is bad and we don't condone it, we need to take steps to end racism, but this is not the way to do it. We need to let the courts do their work. Their main word in their essay is, we need to wait. Well, from his jail cell, Martin Luther King wrote a response, which is now known to be called the Letter from Birmingham Jail. In it, Martin Luther King attacked this, this idea that these men were proposing about racial re reconciliation, about this idea of waiting. He attacked their ideas, but yet showed Christian brotherhood and kindness. This is one of the best pieces that I teach in my AP English class, and I really recommend you read this six-page six letter. I think you would really enjoy it. It's an odd balance that Martin Luther King has a powerful piece of writing that has so much rhetorical power and yet poetic beauty. Out of the whole thing, it is a Christian's plea for a change in the church. In his uh, rebuttal to the clergyman, his greatest attack is against the Christian church. He says that once they used to be the thermostat for a society, changing the temperature, but now the church has become empty and void, and they are now just a thermometer to just record what the society is saying. You know some of these lines, some of his famous lines from this letter, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, or an unjust law is no law at all, or a justice too long delayed is justice denied. Martin Luther King makes the point that we can't just have a little bit of justice, but as soon as we start changing what justice is or what just laws are, there is no the concept of justice and law has been changed. Well, this sermon today is not necessarily about racism, but there are similarities between Martin Luther King's letter and the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul makes a vigorous and passionate plea to the Galatians to not add anything to the gospel. As soon as you start adding something to the gospel, it no longer becomes the gospel anymore. So let's begin in just this book. Why, are, why did we choose Galatians? Well, first you're going to see the main reason is that it is theologically rich and meaty. It's a small version of the book of Romans. If the book of Romans is too long, Galatians is the spark notes or the cliffs notes for some of you older folks out there. There's so much deep theology in here that we're going to be able to talk about in the coming weeks. We're reading this book because Galatians reminds us, reminds us of the gospel and the freedom we have in Christ. The sermon series is the gospel of freedom, and you're going to see this in every chapter of the book. 
we're reading this because it's historically pivotal role in the Christian church, especially in the Reformation. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, the reformer, says this, the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle. To it, I am, as it were, in wedlock. It is my Catherine. That's his wife. The Galatians is his Catherine. That's like me saying, this, this book is so dear to me, it's my Christie. It is a powerful piece in the role in the life of the Christian church. Well, another reason why we, can, uh, we chose to study this book is that we have the tendency to drift from the gospel and focus on non-essentials. And this book is going to act as both an encouragement and as a warning for us in 2020. Overall, the theme, the thesis statement, the main idea for today's sermon is this. The true gospel wards off self-righteousness and works-based salvation. The true gospel wards off self-righteousness and works-based salvation. A bit of a background information. Galatians was written about 50 AD. It was after Paul's missionary journeys to this area, to a region of churches in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Uh, after he planted, he leaves to plant more churches, and he always writes uh, churches. So this is where this letter comes from. These churches, his concern in these churches, that they were abandoning the teaching that he taught them, abandoning the teaching of Christianity, especially in regards to circumcision. We're going to see in this book, uh, in today, but also in the series to come, we're going to see these key themes by contrasts. We're going to see, for example, true versus false gospel, faith versus works, law versus grace, liberty versus legalism, sonship versus slavery, and spirit versus the desires of the flesh. This is a great book, and I'm excited to begin this series with us today, with you today. Have you heard of Wordle.net? It's kind of a graphic illustration of text. Uh, if you go to world.net, it has a, a text box, and you can put in any amount of text in there. And whatever word is larger, or oh, I'm sorry, the whatever word is more repeated, it's larger in this graphic organizer, and then the, it's smaller in the graphic organizer if it's not mentioned so much. So I took the whole book of Galatians, and I put it in Wordle, and I want you to see what this looks like. So take a look at that picture. And you're going to see what sticks out here. I mean, take a look at some of those words here. You can see Christ in the largest, law, Jesus, flesh, one God, faith, spirit, gospel, promise, Abraham. These are words, rich words, that we're going to be able to look at and study to see where they are so prevalent in this book. Well, enough with me. Let's get to the book itself, and let's read. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. So it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then First, Second Corinthians, and then we have Galatians. So let's go ahead and we'll read this now. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we, Paul starts off in this first section just looking at what the gospel is. Gospel in itself, the root word of that is good news. So he gives us this grace and peace to you, and then he gives us the gospel, the good news, in one sentence. This is a great one-sentence summary of what we mean when we say the gospel. In verses 3 to 5, Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God. Jesus gave himself for our sins, this is something called the substitutionary atonement, to deliver or rescue us from the present evil age. This is the gospel. This is very similar to something Jesus says when he talks about in, in John 3, you must be born again. This is that rescue. Somebody has paid for my sin in my place. I am no longer in the domain of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light. And this is the gospel in one sentence here. It's, it's our unmerited favor from God to man. So Paul starts us off with that. And then he moves into there's something going on in this church. The church is being perverted. The gospel is being perverted in this church. And it's all about this issue of circumcision. Now, it's a little bit distant to us today, but there's a group in the church, in the Christian church, called Judaizers. These are Jewish Christians, so people who were following Judaism and accepted Jesus and started to follow uh, Jesus' teaching, the Jewish Christians are telling the Gentile Christians about circumcision and adding it to the requirements of faith. So not only do you just have to believe in Christ for this rescue, you now have to do some things. In this case, you have to follow circumcision. We almost have a two-tiered section in these churches where we have the Christians who really are Christians because they follow the Judaic law, as opposed to the, just the non-Gentile Christians. So we have this racial uh, separation. It, this argument, and we can gain this from reading Galatians, it shows the theological, the cultural, and the racial issues that are brewing under the surface in these churches and are starting to stick their heads out. Paul tells us in verse 6, You are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Deserting is a military term. You, you all know this more than I do. Uh, UCMJ has something about deserting. Uh, military term, use of soldiers in an army who revolt or desert uh, the um, organization. And of men who change, it also is about men who change size in politics or philosophy. It's a turncoat, it's a traitor. And Paul says this You are so quickly deserting him who called you. The Galatians are not merely deserting a system of beliefs or even a core doctrine of Christianity. The Galatians are deserting Jesus himself. And this is more than just some intellectual disagreement about an obscure doctrine. Paul sees that these people are deserting Jesus. His reaction in verse 6, I am astonished. Well, he's so astonished 
and taken aback that he alters the usual way he writes letters. In other letters, if you read any of Paul's other 13 letters, uh, Paul greets and then thanks God for the church. He follows this pretty, pretty standard pattern of things. So just as some examples from other letters, I thank my God through Jesus for all of you because your faith is proclaimed. I do not cease to, think, to give thanks for you. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. These very earnest, fatherly, pastoral words, but not with the Galatians. The Galatians is the only one where there's no prayer, no thanksgiving, no praise. Paul jumps right into the content of his letter, and we know his reaction. We know how upset he is at this because they are deserting Jesus with this additional gospel. He's so strong on this matter that he says this argument that's a greater to the lesser argument. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So we have people at the church preaching a different gospel, but he says that even if I taught the different gospel, even if it were me, your father Paul here, teaching a different gospel, I should be accursed. And then we go all the way up to angels. If an angel from heaven came down and gave you a different gospel, that angel should be accursed. So we have a great greater to the lesser argument. How much more so than people in church? You're not angels. You're not apostles, but you're teaching a different gospel. How much more accursed should you be? So we, they're adding to the gospel, condemned. And this word accursed is its probably better in the Greek. How pretentious does that, do I sound with that? But the, the word for accursed is anathema. It's a Greek word that we transliterate into English. I mean, it's a good word. It sounds like a heavy metal band name if it's not already out there. I bet it is. But it's a vile curse, anathema. It's like telling somebody to go to hell, literally. Uh, you belong in hell. You're accursed. This is what Paul is saying to Galatians because they're teaching this other gospel. And Paul is not having just a little temper tantrum and he's angry at some friends. Rather, he's so forceful on this because he sees what's at stake. There are two things at stake that Paul sees. First, the glory of Christ is at stake. Christ's work is diminished if men add to the requirements of it. If Jesus' Jesus's purpose was to come down and die for lost sinners, and we say, well, that was good, Jesus, but let's add a few more things to it in order for it to really work, like circumcision, for example, the glory of Christ is at stake. It diminishes the work, and Paul is angry about that. But he's also very forceful because men's souls are at stake. The Galatians are being led astray by some of these leaders. Consider Jesus' words. If you think if Paul is too harsh for you and you only follow the red-letter versions of Bibles of Jesus, Jesus says the same thing. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If you dare turn someone away from me, you should be anathema. Whether that anathema is a big millstone or a very sharp word from uh, an apostle, Jesus and the apostle Paul both have the same attitude. We cannot lead people astray. If we care more for the glory of Christ and the souls of men, we too would have this idea, this forcefulness to try to protect the integrity of the gospel. 
Well, today, circumcision is not an issue, um, I don't think. New folks don't come into Pillar and over coffee just say, hey, uh, what's Pillar's view of circumcision? And I'm thankful for that. But adding to the gospel is still an era that the church fights against. Works-based salvation continues to pervert the gospel. Michael Horton once said that our default position is to have this works-based salvation. We like that. It's something tangible. It's something we can do. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can power through and get this. But this is contrary to the gospel. If it's not circumcision, what are some ways that we try to add to the gospel? Think about that for a second. What are some ways that perhaps you added, you add to the gospel in your appreciation for what Christ has done for you? Here are a few you may want to consider. I think the big one is just legalism and fundamentalism. A Christian ought to either do or not do certain behaviors. Christians don't drink or uh, smoke. They wear certain clothes. They don't play cards. They don't have tattoos. They read the King James Version only Bible, whatever it is. I mean, we all have these lists of things that some churches will say, yeah, Jesus is great, but if you have tattoos, yeah, it kind of shows your spiritual uh, uh, fallenness. I hesitate saying this in our community because I think I'm one of the few without tattoos. But uh, overall, this is not a problem for us here. This is no problem for us, generally speaking. Well, if it's not legalism, maybe it's church activity. Maybe we add to Christ's work on the cross and we think, we would never say any of these things aloud or put them in doctrinal statements, but we would think that we're more saved because we do more at church. I'm better, I'm holier, I am more close to Jesus because I do more. I lead kids groups, I speak or I play an uh, uh, instrument in front of the church. Well, if it's not church activity, maybe it's certain doctrines. Maybe you have a, a certain pet doctrine that you like whether it's speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues, the timing of the rapture or if there's no rapture at all, or maybe Reformed theology, Calvinism, that we add those as if that makes us more saved. How about this one, being a good person? This is a popular one today, is that no one would ever declare you anathema for being a good, nice guy. But we think that if you're a nice guy, you probably are more saved and then you're a good person. And so somehow, even though we don't mean to do it, we add in our, our goodness and our good works to say that, yeah, I'm really not so bad as this guy over here. We could say this same thing with spiritual disciplines. We think that if we pray X amount of hours or we read so much in the Bible uh, every month that we, are, we earn that salvation. Could be emotions is that I'm saved when I feel like I'm saved, and when I don't feel like I'm saved, I'm not saved. You can see even our emotions we can add to the gospel. And then the final one I have is just the gospel of the right cause, whatever the right cause is now. Uh, it could be environmentalism or human trafficking, racism, political party affiliation, homeschooling, whatever you deem as the right cause. We often say that if you're a Christian, you ought to do this about some cause. The problem with all of these is that we are adding to the finished work of Christ. God the Father sent his Son to rescue and redeem us. Ephesians tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins. If we're dead, we don't walk aisles to 
to accept Jesus. We don't fundraise to end human slavery. Dead people don't believe anything about the rapture. Dead people don't cheat, teach Sunday school or homeschool kids. Our right standing before God can only begin out of grace received in Christ. God hates legalism. Whether we're talking about circumcision or dancing or alcohol or the number of hours you sp spend in prayer, none of that matters for our salvation. John uh, last week quoted a Jonathan Edwards quote, and I wanted to kind of be as cool as him, so I try to find a good Jonathan Edwards quote. This one is attributed to Edwards, but questionable. So forget about what I said about Edwards. This may or may not be from Jonathan Edwards. But here's the quote. The only thing that you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. The only thing that you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. And just think about that. What do I often add in thinking about what makes me more saved? And whatever that thing is, that's wrong. That's the circumcision Paul is talking about. Well, let's get back to Paul. Paul sees that the Galatian Christians are putting their chains back on by adding good works to the good work of Christ. We were free, uh, removed of all bondage. We were rescued and redeemed. But yet the Christians are putting their fetters back on and chaining themselves up with circumcision and other practices. We are no, we are, as soon as anything is adding to Christ's work and the Father's grace, it is no longer the gospel. So how should we respond, Pillar, as a church family? How do we respond to, church, to Paul's letter? Well, we can respond with comfort and hope and thanksgiving and rejoicing and security and above all, service. We can, we can act now in response to this. We can trust that in the Jesus who died in our place so that we can find favor with God. We can trust that Jesus. His atonement and his atonement alone sets us free. Now our good works can follow. The praying and the studying and the giving and the fighting for important issues. But they're not to earn salvation. They are responding because we're saved. Because we're saved, I'm going to want to do things and act more and spend more time in prayer. Not to earn the salvation. I already have that by trusting Christ. But now I respond to that salvation by doing those things. I'm no longer fretting if I've done enough good works to earn or keep my spiritual standing. Christianity is not that religion. If you want a religion that can weigh good works and bad works, take your pick. They're all around us. Find one that works for you if that's what you're looking for. Christianity is not good works versus bad works. I am secure in Christ because I have the righteousness of Jesus, and that is perfect for the Father. And now we're free to do good works. I can dance or not dance. I can drink. I can not drink. I can read the KJV or I can read the ESV. I can be circumcised or I cannot be circumcised. Neither is going to make me more saved. Well, our series today is, again, called The Gospel of Freedom because that is what we have in Jesus. For these six chapters in the book, Paul is going to remind us over and over again of what the gospel is. And this good news is something we need to hear. Sometimes in churches, we preach the gospel at the start of our Christian life. We, we see this preached, people get saved, they get plugged in. But rather, we need to hear the good news, the gospel preached to us that Jesus died on my behalf and it is not anything that I add to it. 
We need to hear that at the start of our Christian life, every day throughout it, and on our deathbed. We need to hear that. We are not our own. Our default position is that we're going to want to add to our salvation. And that's something that we need to fight against. We, anything we add to the gospel is taking away from the gospel. And hearing the good news is the only antidote to self-righteousness and works-based salvation. And so this is our prayer for our study in Galatians here at Pillar. Christians, may you savor the work of Jesus on your behalf and may you grow in the love and protection of that message and the freedom and the comfort and the life-giving service that I can give because of this message. And for those who have not yet received the gift of grace and are still in need of a rescue for your sin, may your time in Galatians shows you another facet of Jesus' beauty as he calls out, runs towards you to awaken you. I'll end the way I started, and that was, is with a Martin Luther King um, quote in another one of his speeches that you're probably more familiar with in the I Have a Dream speech. He gives this, this famous line, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. That is, should be the Christian's rally cry because this is the gospel. When the gospel comes to us and we understand it and we respond to it at the Spirit's prompting, we are free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Thanks, Pillar. Welcome back, Pillar. And I wanted to introduce to you one of my friends, Logan Smith. And Logan is a somewhat longtime yeah. part of Pillar over yeah. a year now. Yeah, right? we're going on about a year and a half now. Yeah, that's a long time in, in this community. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, and you're also an MC leader. MC leader, yeah. And, uh, and so today, I think, just briefly, let's talk about what what MCs are doing. What? Uh, let, me, let me back up a bit. What is the gospel looking like during this season? Mm, absolutely. That? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Ron, especially what you preached on today. I thought it was awesome. And one thing that highlighted, it kind of uh, took me to my favorite verse in Galatians uh, 2.20. What it says is, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I li uh, which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. And that's exactly kind of what you were highlighting today is don't add to the gospel. And today, that looks a little different for us. Uh, it's a, not a... I think what you said more or highlighted is legalism, right? We are Sunday churchgoers, or we got to do our Bible study. Or, and that looks different now because we don't get to go to church uh, the standard way on Sundays. We have to find ways to practice the gospel together in our community. And what that looks like on a regular uh, basis is, one, starting in the house, right? You get to spend more time at home uh, with your family, so you're learning to practice the gospel a little more intentional with your wife, your kids. Uh, or if you're single, it's more focusing on yourself. Not that you shouldn't be focusing on yourself, but it's just a different mentality at the time. And then you have to be more intentional with your MCs. Uh, you have the opportunity uh, to spend more time with your neighbors because that's, uh, let's be honest, we're spending more time with the ROM, right? Being, uh, being restricted to movement and being in our neighborhood. What that looks like is being intentional, mm -hmm. showing them that, hey, I'm not just a Sunday goer. I have an opportunity to show them the love of Christ being intentional with them, getting to know them, encouraging them, because a lot of people are discouraged during this time. So I think it's just a very unique opportunity to really show the love of Christ and easy to almost easier to stay away from the legalism aspect from it. But it can be harder because it takes more intentionalness to be with that person. Mm. So absolutely, I thought it was a really good point today. That's good. Thank you. Um, you mentioned something that you've increased family worship at home. How, what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So 
I would say for us, at least at our household, that those conversations, spending more time with Hayden uh, at home, are more on a regular basis. What we're learning, what we're we have more opportunity during the time, literally to read or to uh, watch podcasts or, or listen to podcasts, watch sermons, and then talk and then and then work on that together. And it's an opportunity when you're used to just spending maybe a couple hours a night after the kids go to bed, and now you have a full day together. What that looks like, <laughs> good ways and bad ways, right? But. Uh, uh, just to be intentional with each other and ask how that person's doing and, and given that, uh, especially uh, if for us, I go to work, Hayden uh, stays home, then when I come, I have this opportunity to take care of the kids, give her her intentional time so she can grow in a time where I'm not going to have that much time when we go back to normal mm. uh, things. So I think that's kind of what it looks like uh, with the opportunities we have here. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you, you're an MC leader. Tell us a little bit about that. How long have you been doing it, yeah. and w- what does your MC specifically yeah. look like? Yeah, I've been a part of a couple MCs co-leading and then leading. This is our second one, leading Hayden and I. Uh, we have uh, like uh, six couples, uh, so that has been awesome. And it looks different, right? So we're not getting to meet together uh, in person on a regular basis, uh, which is hard, right? Because uh, for me, I'm a person who feels more comfortable uh, talking like we are now together, right, over as opposed to Zoom. Uh, but for us, what we do is we meet once a week. Uh, for us specifically, we're count, uh, covering Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we read a chapter a week, and then we go over that, and we cover uh, how the Scripture applies to that. And then we also open up to each other what that looks like in our life. Uh, and what that is, uh, for every MC, is a little different. Some are covering different books. Some are covering chapters of the Bible. Uh, so it's it's very different, uh, or can be a little different in other MCs. But also, it's the opportunity we have uh, met as guys separate to keep the numbers uh, down to make sure uh, that we're not, uh, you know, going past those restrictions to get anybody uh, in trouble or anything. And then also for the wives, they've had an opportunity to meet separate so we can again, keep those numbers uh, down. But intentionalness is what we're going for mm-hmm. and that we can still grow together. Uh, it's also interesting <clears throat> with our MCs, we have actually three women who are pregnant, and so which is awesome, but also we don't want to expose them. So it, it, there's different ways of being intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Is making sure do they need anything. Uh, ones actually do pretty soon, so we want to make sure that we are prepared to love on them, providing meals, just mm-hmm. checking on them, help them with their other kids if that's a possibility. Uh, so little things like that is where it becomes intentional with MCs. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, probably the next question would be is how, how does that look uh, if you're not a part of MC? Well, it can be very hard during this time. Uh, isolation is where Satan works at his best, right? And it can be easy to be isolated during this time, especially if you don't have a spouse and you're not a part of an MC where you have people checking in on you on a regular basis. So I would encourage anyone who's not a part of an MC at this moment, uh, I would especially say this is a great time to email John, email the church, uh, and let us know that you would like to be a part of an MC, and then they'll pass that information to the MC leaders and get tied in. And And I think that's what's great about our MC. They're very good. We have a group chat checking in on each other, uh, very good about uh, when we go over our prayer requests. Somebody says, I got you, and then they'll text you daily and say, hey, man, I'm just letting you know I'm praying for you. And, mm-hmm. and they'll call and just, just little things like that is where God intends us to be intentional, especially during this kind of weird season that we're in with COVID. Uh, so that's what I would say to encourage others for MCs. Yeah. yeah, it seems like this time is giving the church a different way to focus on caring for people than absolutely. just during a church service. You're absolutely right, because, you know, uh, it's interesting, right? Uh, the whole world's in a pandemic, right, and a crisis. And we kind of live in our own bubble here. Being in the military, we're all getting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. We have some steadiness in our life as opposed to maybe back home in America. But also, we have a lot of people who are worrying about PCSs, worrying about people where they're going next or when they're leaving, being separated from their families. And it's an opportunity to show them that calmness, that that faith that we have in Jesus Christ, that this is just a season. My mm-hmm. my foundation is built on Jesus and not on 
what's going on around me uh, in our existence. It's the military, a little more focused here, but uh, that's a unique opportunity we have to show why is this person so calm? Why does this person find uh, so much comfort right now during this chaotic season? Mm, that's so. good. Well, I, I'm sure people at home can see what people see in Logan Smith. Just very personable. You're very friendly, a very sharp uh, young man. I know people are going to ask, are, are there openings in your MC? <laughs> yeah, we could. Uh, we've been going uh, for a couple months now. We could definitely uh, take on, uh, I would say, another couple or maybe two. Mm. Uh, and we'd love to, or even a singleton, uh, a couple singles if they uh, have that opportunity. But for definitely, uh, it's an opportunity. And I would encourage all MCs like, to make an openness because this might be a unique time. Like you said, if you've never been a part of an MC, uh, I know Hayden and I uh, were forever changed in the gospel when we joined our MC when we first got married. And it just looks different walking through life uh, together as the brothers and sisters in Christ. So I would encourage, uh, if you're not a part of one, we'll find a spot for you. Yeah. What's your email? Why don't you say that? Yeah, so people yeah. can email you, you directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely. Social. I think John uh, has it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, well, great. And do you want to end with, do you have uh, something for us? Here? Yeah, so, uh, of course, uh, today uh, we're going into Galatians, uh, and Ron did a great job covering uh, the background and uh, the charge in the first chapter. So what I would encourage today for the MCs is to go ahead Take the time, whether that's with uh, over Zoom or if you have a couple members with you at your house, uh, that you would read through the chapters, uh, all of Galatians uh, together. Or if it's just you and your spouse in the house, I would ask that you would do it. Uh, and it will take about 30 minutes to read all through Galatians, but the intent is to see it in context, allow Christ uh, to work on your heart, to set the uh, presence, what we're going to be going over for the next couple of weeks, and allow uh, Christ to move us. And I, again, I think you kind of said it really well. Paul is really challenging here. Uh, he's very loving and gracious, but it's a very loving brother call, I think it would say. Uh, so it's very intentional and very exciting. And you want to read it with uh, Paul's talking to us, and it's an exciting time. So take that time, read it uh, all the way through, uh, and I think it'll be really awesome what God does with that. That's perfect. So we're doing that this week instead of questions, and I think it's, it's a good suggestion. So I hope you enjoy Galatians with your MC. And Logan, thanks so much. Mm, it really thanks, is a, it was great talking with you. It was. All right. Have a good week, Pillar.